0: Hey, all you Rad Dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you yet another episode of The Rad Dad Show. This time, I had the opportunity to chat with Brian Gorsegner, singer for New Jersey band Nightbirds, who are so awesome. To me, they infuse an old school, classic, hardcore sound with elements of surf and horror and professional wrestling, and it just works so well. Brian also has a few other cards up his sleeve. He runs his own tour booking company, Wired Tour Booking, where he books some pretty gnarly bands. Modern Life is War, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, Off With Their Heads, Pairs, The Ergs, Career Suicide. In addition to that, Brian runs an Instagram account, which I love, called Ancient Artifacts, with an X, where he buys and sells punk rock records, posters, and flyers. The guy's busy, and that's without even taking into account the fact that he's a dad to a six-year-old daughter. Honestly, I really had a great time chatting with Brian. We covered some heavier stuff, like the impact of COVID-19 on his livelihood, and his family's experience with postpartum depression. But we also talked about some really fun stuff, like the night his band signed to Fat Records after an amazing set at Punk Rock Bowling. And I was actually at that show, so that was especially rad. If you're a fan of Nightbirds, there's a lot in here for you. But if not, I think you'll really enjoy this chat too. But promise me, when you're done listening, you'll go pick up Born to Die in Suburbia. You'll thank me later. Trust me. And with that, let's get to it. Here's Brian Gorsegner from Nightbirds on the Rad Dad Show. Well, let's get going. Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the Rad Dad Show today. Um,
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, we're super stoked to talk to you. Um, let's start out by just asking who are you?
1: Uh, my name is Brian Gorsegner. Uh, I'm a 37-year-old who lives in uh New Jersey, USA.
0: Okay. And uh how would people probably know you or or things you've been involved in?
1: Uh I've sang in uh the band Nightbirds for the past 10 plus years. Uh I did a couple bands before that. I did a band called Psych to Die and a band called For Science and Forward to Death and Splitting Headache and a bunch of smaller hardcore bands. Um, I'm a booking agent for 16 North American artists, screaming females and off of their heads and pears, and Bad Cop, Bad cop and, uh, modern life is war and, uh, a ton of others. Uh, and, uh, and I'm a big record collector. So I know a lot of people through the, through the record world. Um, I guess those are probably my main credentials.
0: <laughs> your main gigs. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I know you. So your booking company, it's called wired booking, right? yeah correct okay sweet and yeah I definitely uh you know have been following ancient artifacts as well online and kind of ogling your your record collections so yeah I saw you had a sale over over the weekend or on Friday or something like that and I was like oh man I wish I lived in New Jersey
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I bought a collection last Tuesday and then uh if I get a good bulk of stuff like there's enough local people that are into that kind of stuff that I can just, I put it outside and masks required. And I booked one, you know, appointments one at a time. People just showed up cash and bought a bunch of records. So nice. it was it was fun. Yeah, it was cool.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I, I'm gonna kind of start by, I don't normally do this, but tell you a little story about how I kind of became aware of your band. I have a really good memory of seeing your band for the first time. And that was, I think it was Punk Rock Bowling 2014. Okay. You guys were opening, I think uh, for all at one of the club shows, right? So I think it was you and the briefs and I can't remember who else a little bit blurry uh, that whole weekend really is a little blurry. <laughs> toy
1: guitar. I can't remember. Who oh yeah. I, I
0: think it was toy guitar. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: There was a good, yeah. Somebody else. It was a good bill. That was a good yeah. memorable show, but you, you go first.
0: No, well, yeah, no, it was totally memorable for me. I mean, I'm a huge all fan. So that's kind of why I was there, but I remember kind of hearing, you know, in the, you know, probably years leading up to, uh, that show, you know, about night birds and never kind of, you know how it is. You don't get around to listening to somebody or whatever. And, um, so I was really stoked to see you guys. And it was like one of those shows where, and they, you know, they don't happen very often, but one of those shows where it's like, as soon as you guys started, it was like,
1: holy shit. Like
0: I'm, i'm i'm in i'm zoned in and so from there it was like yeah you had me as a fan so that was a that was a really cool cool memorable show and i did see you guys i don't know if it was last year or the year before in edmonton as well so i'm from edmonton alberta okay cool so I saw you guys here with i think it was chain whip and no problem yep and yeah, uh, yeah. It was, you guys are great before, so
1: before last year's punk rock bowling we went up and did vancouver and edmonton and calgary right and down to vegas yep
0: yeah, yeah, nice. So uh anyway, I just thought I'd share that because that was like like I said, those shows are kinda like I would say they're they're rare. I love seeing live music, but it's it's rare that a band would just kinda like pull you in like that with one show and you're you know, you go get all their records and that was that was awesome. me for sure.
1: Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, there was uh that's very nice to hear. That was uh an interesting that was the night that we signed the Fat Records. Um really it was I think it was kind of like because of that set uh like fat mike was in the audience and watched us play and then came up to me after our set and like asked if we wanted to do a record um yeah it was like a very memorable you know and that was like the first time meeting like all the descendants all guys and um i remember hanging out with x from x outside yeah. it was just it was at the end of the nights it was just kind of like oof, man that was that was a lot there's a lot to take in there
0: yeah totally um, surreal
1: yeah yeah, but it, it was cool. I felt like we had an especially good set, but I also remember falling off the stage. Uh, <laughs> I
0: don't awesome. remember that, but maybe yeah. I thought it was just part of the <laughs> the thing.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I specifically remember that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun one. All was great.
0: Oh, man. I mean, they're always great. But, you know, there, there's also something about, like, you would know this, obviously, like the venue, right? Like, it just felt right in there. Yeah, um, it, it was, was just, yeah. Yeah, it was sweaty and it was just—it had the right vibe there. I think that's one thing that Punk Rock Bowling does pretty well with their their club shows. I mean, the the festival too, but the club shows are just always a riot like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're really fun. Just the big open room—it sounds good and uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that like all set, not being like overly packed and like just the people that were there were like the serious fans, you know? Because yeah. it was like probably one or two o'clock in the morning by the time. Yeah. That was like halfway through and everybody that was there you know knew every word and were like super pumped um,
0: yeah that that's kind of, it's funny that's kind of how that that band is we you know talked a lot about that uh you know with so we interviewed milo uh mm-hmm. from descendants and you know chris sherry and um talked about that that sort of following for all it's very much kind of a cult following right so everybody yeah. who's there in the front couple rows knows every word Yep. Yeah, definitely felt that that night. So okay, so let's let's get back on track. Um, so, wired booking, night birds, ancient artifacts. You're also a dad.
1: I am. That is correct.
0: <laughs> so how many how many kids do you have? I think I know the answer, but
1: just one. One one and done.
0: Okay, one and done. All right. Um, so what's you have a daughter, right? What's her name? Yep. Her name's Dorothy. Okay, Dorothy. I I feel like Dorothy. She's kind of become a bit of a. a Social media celebrity lately too, I feel like I saw a few a
1: few episodes
0: on it, your account.
1: It's funny she got really into like a couple um like just youtubers and uh like social media people, and she likes to just watch their channel, which is just them doing like mundane stuff with their family um but she like it's you know. I know, I know that that's like a popular thing now, like YouTubers in general and stuff like that. Uh, But that's like what she digs. So she was like, I want to make videos. And I'm like, well, you're too young to have your own this or that or whatever. Um, So yeah, I let her like make a couple videos on my phone and then I posted them on my Instagram. um, Yeah. Just for, you know, she gets kicked. She gets kicked out of the comments. And uh, and how many views do I have? I'm like, 400 views. She's like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, it's, it's just like
0: totally unfathomable for a kid to have 400 yeah. views. That's amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: That was pretty funny, actually. I, I, watched, uh, I watched the one um, where she, like, made a whole bunch of merch with her name on it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, really,
0: that was really. funny. Yeah. yeah I really like that.
1: And then Jenny from Bad Cop ordered uh, a Popsicle stick. So oh, really? Made her a personalized Popsicle <laughs> stick. No, we haven't gotten it in the mail yet, but we still, we still got to do that.
0: Okay. Oh, nice. Nice that's hilarious how, how old is Dorothy she's six she'll
1: she's be six. seven in November yeah
0: so yeah so you're talking a little bit I think before we started recording but talking a little bit about um you know how how you and your wife are kind of scheduling being at, at home and figuring that all out you have probably got school coming up pretty quick right what what's happening there for you guys like COVID really has thrown everything up in the air right like
1: Yeah, our town has the option to do fully virtual or they're doing, like, a part in school, like, Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday for cleaning, back on Thursday, Friday, half days, um, masks required, distanced and everything, but we still opted to keep her home, so we're going to do the virtual thing, Um, and then, like, every 90 days you get the option to, like, switch and have them go in, but I I can't imagine, you know, normal, like, uh, as a booking agent, I work from home, I work from this computer that I'm sitting at now. And uh, so so normally, I'm available to pick her up and drop her off at school and do all, you know, work around her schedule, basically. Um, so even if I were to go back to work, um, that's what we would want to do anyway. But I'm currently home unemployed. So there's no good reason that, uh, you know, we can't do the virtual thing. So I think it's just just seems safer i mean every school that seems to be going back is in session for like a week or two and then somebody's getting sick and they're shutting things down so
0: yeah i know it's it's we're sort of in the the same boat here we've got a four-year-old who's just about to start kindergarten and so we're kind of trying to figure out what that looks like we're we're kind of you know fortunate in some ways too that that we have flexible schedules but it's not that way for everybody right so oh yeah I mean, I've all said this, like, there's no right answer here, right? Like, there's no way to know that what you're doing is the right thing. And there's all these trade-offs. And we're talking about kind of kids' mental health and socializing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, weighed out with, um, you know, risk of getting, you know, potentially COVID. And it's like, how do you, yeah, how do you navigate that? How do you know I think
1: everybody. with that? to do what's right for them you know i don't think there is a right right or wrong answer and even when they were initially starting to talk about i mean i uh, you know i think it was like april or something that i was we were talking and i was like that's not going to go to school in the fall like if they tried it i don't trust it like we're going to keep her home um and you know so we've been having the conversation since then and at first you know when just looking at it through my lens was kind of like i can't imagine how anybody would send their kid back to school but you know after talking to some people and you know thinking about things i hadn't thought before it's like there are some kids who live who have bad home lives you know and like their only chance to get away is like their day at school and that's where they get yeah. their meals and stuff like that so i mean i totally understand that perspective and then also um you know there's two parents that work 50 hours a week to pay their mortgage and everything their jobs Expect them to be back, depending yep. on what you do. There's definitely scenarios where their jobs want them to be back, can't work from home, and you're put in a situation where it's like you can either send your kid off to school and go to work, or lose your job. And if you if you quit, you're not going to collect unemployment. So it's like, what do you do? It's, it's it's a really tough situation. And I mean, the going back physically thing isn't great either, because I think everywhere there's some nobody's going back you know, 7.30 in the morning till three in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Uh, I think best case scenario is like everywhere is it's on a couple days and then there's cleaning days. So I don't know. I don't know how people are doing it. So our situation, I feel fortunate that we are in a position that I can stay home and watch her. And my wife will probably be here to back me up unless her work brings her back in, but she's only going into the office one day a week. So I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like it just, you know, it's so different for everybody. Right. And it's, it's nice that at least at your, um, sounds like your town, you guys can kind of reevaluate quarterly what that looks like. And so, you know, maybe you'd have the option to send her to school. If you feel that that's the best thing or vice versa, you could pull your kid out and, and, um, bring them home if you feel that's the best thing. So it's nice that they're working towards that. I know a lot of, uh, you know, my teacher friends and stuff like that. Everybody's pretty stressed about what this is going to look like, right? We're kind of coming right up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. No. So, yeah, it's yeah. a really uncertain time.
1: Yeah, I, I really feel for the teachers too, because that's already, you know, such a thankless, tough job. And it's like, now your job is going to be three times as hard. Yeah. You have to do virtual stuff after the in-person stuff, and you yeah. have to try to keep kids with masks on. Like kids don't, you know, they don't get it, and they, they don't want to wear them. It's it's all it's like super tough, and I, I don't know. I don't envy their position, but yeah,
0: you know, yeah. We're we're just kind of like it feels like every week or whatever. Like things are changing. We're getting new information. It's this is going to be this is just what it looks like for now. But who knows what it's going to look like in a month, right? So okay, so so let's let's talk about um you know, get back into sort of fatherhood and that whole experience. So where I'd like to start is just ask you, what are the most rewarding aspects of being a
1: dad? Um, and kind of all of it. I mean, I, I love being a dad, you know, it was something that we did on purpose. I've been with my wife, uh, our 10 year anniversary, our wedding anniversary is Thursday. Nice. Congrats. We had, thank you. We had been together for 10 years before that. So we've been together for 20 years. We always wanted to have one kid. Um, so it happened when we were like ready and everything. So, um, I don't know. I feel I'm happy with how we've been able to do everything. Like I feel I'm happy of the job I do as a dad. There's things that I thought I would be better at that I'm not as good at. And then there's things that I thought, you know, were scary that, um, that I'm better at than I thought. So, um,
0: yeah, it's a humbling experience. eh?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, our daughter is awesome. Like she's so well-behaved through, especially through all of COVID and everything. I mean, we couldn't have a better partner through this. She's like super cool. She's fun to be around. You know, she, uh, she's great about it. You know, if we try to like have a socially distanced bike hangout with a neighbor across the street, she's really good about, Hey, you know, you got to give me some space and stuff. So yeah, she's smart as a whip. She's funny. And, uh, I don't know. I'm really I'm really proud of her. And just, I think we're, I think we're doing a pretty good job. We, we do our, we do our best.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's all you can do, right. Is is do your best. Everybody's situation is yeah. different, but uh yeah, no, that, that's awesome. So you kind of talked a little bit about, um kind of discovering some things about yourself, maybe in terms of what you are capable of or not as good at. So how has being a dad changed you?
1: Um, I mean, kind of in like every way, you know, it, it's this, you know, you wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's something that's more of a priority than anything has ever been a priority. Uh, I don't think you can even understand priorities before that happens. Um, that, I mean, you know, I dropped out of college, like my jobs have always been, well, before I started my own business, I was always just working, you know, my my biggest commitments were getting to a venue on time and just going on war. I mean, I just lived to do that stuff. Everything else was kind of secondary. You know, I had jobs and I went to high school and stuff like that, but I sucked at all that stuff and I didn't care about it. And the thing that I cared about and my priorities was just playing music, um, which, you know, at the end of the day, isn't the most, (laughs) it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not a human being's life. So waking up one morning and being like, Oh my God, there's an actual person. And I mean, they just give you, they just give you the kid and they're like, "Here you go. And you're yep. like, I just have a kid now. I don't know. It's crazy. You know, like any, any job you have, you know, a couple weeks where they kind of just train you what to do. This is, you know, there's a lot of kids out there, so they don't have the time to do that shit. It's just like, yeah. this is first. go ahead do it. So yeah, I mean, it's just an entire crazy shock, you know, to your entire way of life. Um, so I, it's changed everything. Um, yeah. Definitely made me a better person. I mean, once you live through those first six to seven months, you can kind of do anything uh, a lot better. And my my wife had really bad postpartum depression um, for basically the first five, maybe four or five months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I was like in it. You know, I was doing every wake up, every every everything for a while and uh yeah you don't realize what you have in you until yeah you're squeezing everything out so yeah
0: yeah yeah I mean I I think that's like that's a pretty common feeling right like you kind of are confronted with this situation there's no other option other than to just deal with it and do your best and figure it out and like not only you're figuring out like all the things you don't know how to do like you know you're learning how to I mean the stereotypical ones, change diapers and whatever, but like, you know, wrap them up properly in a blanket, like the swaddling. I, I think I've probably forgot that now how to do that. Yeah. We ended up just getting the swaddles with uh, the really strong Velcro, just like uh-huh. a basically a baby straight jacket that seemed to work pretty well <laughs> for yeah. us. Um, but like learning all that stuff. Right. But then also like coming to terms with this, like huge change in your life. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. It's, it's like turns everything upside down. Yeah. Right. And, and then helps, I guess like, you know, as difficult as it may be helps you kind of figure out where your priorities are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So but yeah, okay. there's there's no way to, to prepare somebody no. for that. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It'll just happen. Like you'll either succeed or you'll collapse and fail, but you'll probably, <laughs> you'll probably succeed. I, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do think, you know, one thing that's nice, like I found when I became a dad, like, people i mean sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating but people are happy to give you lots of advice and try and help out too like you kind of see the community kind of try to you know community whatever that looks like for you like kind of rally
1: behind you whether that's family or
0: friends or whatever um, yeah. because people have been through it before know like this is not easy so yeah, it, yeah.
1: no it is not
0: so so you kind of talked about how you'd known for a long time you guys wanted to have a child um Like, despite that, did you have any fears about becoming a dad?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of fears, but, um, again, it was always something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a complete idiot. So the idea of having, (laughs) you know, being in charge of a human life is terrifying. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm also fairly responsible and, uh, I can do shit and get shit done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still terrifying, but... Um, I don't know but it's also like the most important thing in the world to me and uh, I don't know I wouldn't change it it's just take it as it comes
0: and yeah and it's always changing right like you yeah. know, you kind of just figure out the like infant newborn thing and then it's like something else right and then it's terrible twos and all that kind of stuff so it's just this challenge that keeps evolving
1: yeah yeah so far I like where we're at now I, I'm I'm really into like six going on seven like she's in the, you know, she's watching cartoons and eating something right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go for an hour. Are you good? She's like, yeah, I'm good. We just built a trampoline in the backyard. She's like, I might go nice. jump a little bit. So it's like, she's fully independent the beginning yeah. stuff where it's just every waking minute. Um, and you know, our big thing was like, uh, my wife's an artist. I play okay. music and it was like, you know, do we fully shut everything down and we're just parents and that's all that we do. And, um, you know, that I think that's what a lot of people kind of do, you know, you work towards parenthood and then that is it. But, um, she was like, you still need, you can't not play music. Like that's not going to go well for either of us. You need to do that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, um, that's been the biggest challenge. And I guess probably the thing I'm most proud of is like continuing to do our thing and be the best parents we possibly can. And just, push every waking minute, you know, I think that's that going for all uh, yep. mentality, And it's like, now nah, we gotta, we gotta completely crush this in every aspect. So, I mean, you know, I was touring Europe probably seven, you know, when Dottie was like seven months old yep. um, because we had canceled the tour when I found out that Amanda was pregnant. So it was like, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a lot, but it's also extremely rewarding to do it like that and to succeed and do it your way. Um, So,
0: yeah, you it's interesting. Like you're kind of touching on something that I, I feel pretty strongly about. I don't know, you know, that everybody's at the same sort of place about that. And, And we've talked about this, that, you know, every family's a bit different, but like sort of continuing to have like the things that make you, you and, you know, your wife, her, and the things that you guys love to do. Um, like I think that helps that's my, my feeling anyway is like I think that helps you as a parent and helps your child understand that like yeah my, my dad or my mom or whoever is my caregiver they have other things they enjoy as well and it's good for them to kind of like see that yeah Um. so yeah I think that that's really cool so what what does um Dorothy think about your your job what does she think about what you do I, th- I thought it was really funny in the one video um, that you posted of her she's like yeah my You know, my dad, he's he's pretty important. He's got, like, thousands of followers. Well, maybe, like, he's got at least 100 followers. (laughs) That was really funny.
1: Yeah, I try, because, you know, in her head, there's just, like, famous people and not famous people. And I'm like, I'm not a famous person. I play in a band, and some people like my band, but, you know, that's really where that begins and ends. So I try to, like, curb her expectations with things, (laughs) um, which is pretty funny. Uh, but like the only shows she's seen us play, we did a string of dates with the descendants and she came to those because those were like big green room. You know, I knew I would yep. be like a She'd be, they were very just kid friendly. So she's seen us play like really packed rooms in like New York and Boston and DC. And then last year, uh, Nightbirds went out to do, uh, we got flown out to play a festival in Belgium with like the hives and like a really big festival. Nice. So, uh, Dottie and Amanda came out for that um, and you know that was like I don't know like 8,000 people kind of thing and Dottie's side stage walk. so she thinks yeah. every show we play is like this massive yeah. thing and I'm like these people aren't here for us but, <laughs> but you know <laughs> like, uh, it's I'll pretty
0: amazing though
1: I'll let her think that for a little while until so, she sees, plays some stupid basement show or something.
0: so what does she like what does she say about that how does she how, how does she sort of like internalize like what what you do and you know, what does she, I guess, think about what you do or what it, what it really is? Like, do you think she, she gets it?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I think she thinks it's pretty cool, but she also just thinks it's, like, this weirdo thing. You know, like, I'll show her videos of, like, you know, the Bad Brains playing or something and a million yeah. people jumping off a stage. I showed her some video where I was stage diving for some band, and she was just yeah. like, what the hell is going, like, what are you guys <laughs> doing, like? What a bunch of you guys are crazy, you know. Like, she just thinks it's kind of like silly. Um, I don't think she fully grasps this, but yeah. she thinks it's cool.
0: Does she like is your music playing around the house? I imagine it's probably playing a fair bit, or music you listen to, music you like. Like, what, is, what does she think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've never played Nightbirds for her. She's seen like videos on YouTube of us playing for, her, and she's, okay. seen um, but yeah, I mean, I'm generally the record player is always playing. Yeah, um, she likes stuff. I mean, she she's a huge JoJo Siwa fan. That's okay, like, that's her jam. And we we had tickets to go see JoJo like a couple months ago, but COVID yeah. messed it up. So hopefully next year. Um, she likes Weird Al a lot. That was like a nice early on. I would play her like Bad Hair Day and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's something I'll usually throw on in the car. Um, she likes the first couple of Ramones records. And yeah, like that. But uh, yeah, I mean. She likes music, but she's not like, you know. I know some of my friends' kids who, you know, know words to songs and this and that. She's not yeah. like, it's not right now her her thing. Yeah, you know,
0: so. I mean, speaking as a you know a dad of a kid who's like almost five, so similar type of age. I mean, you have to try pretty hard to get your you know four or five year old daughter to be into. Circle Jerks or descendants or you know, you kind of have to try pretty hard if you if that's what you want to succeed at. Ramones, yeah. I've had the same experience. Yeah, my my daughter Elise, like she's always like, yeah, let's listen to Hey Ho, Let's Go. Yeah. You know, but that's kind of that's kind of where it ends.
1: Yeah, which is fine. Maybe, you yeah, know, I, I don't yeah. care way. It's it, it's what we would be playing in the house either way. So you know, sometimes I'll ask her, do you like this? And she'd be like, yeah. Or I'll be like, do you like it? No. Okay. Well, and in the
0: the same way, like are you you finding you're exposed to things that you wouldn't have listened to because of her?
1: Not yet. I mean, I'm being exposed to a lot of television that I wouldn't be exposed (laughs) to if it wasn't for her. Like I said, she doesn't really play music. Like, you know, she's really into slime right now. Yeah. I wouldn't have slime around if it wasn't for her. Um, uh, She's like some of the kids' shows and cartoons Are amazing, they're like super funny. And oh, yeah, sit down for breakfast or something. We'll put on, we'll be like, Oh, let's watch, you know, We Bear Bears, or like, uh, I don't know, there's a bunch of shows that she like got us into. Um, and uh, yeah, but not, yeah, not so much music. I mean, I know like all the words to the JoJo songs, but I think JoJo would be like, That's kind of it. That's like her favorite, but her like one and only, pretty
0: much. Nice, so so this is the rad dad show. So what, what's a rad dad to you? How would you, if I asked you to define what's a rad dad, how would you define that?
1: I would say somebody who just pays attention to their kid. I mean, that was something that I was kind of blown away by like being at the park and like being around with other parents. There's just so many dads who I think it was just like the thing that they were always supposed to do and they have five kids and they don't pay attention to them. And they're just kind of brushing them off and they don't listen to them. And they're always talking at them. And it's weird, you know, watching certain parents interact with their children where it's like, yo, that's a real person. That's your person. Like listen to what they want. And it just seems like a total chore, total inconvenience. Uh, It's like, why did you do it? I I honestly feel probably 70% of people shouldn't have kids that do have kids. Um, because it's just the thing that they were supposed to do and they did it and they kind of suck at it and, uh, they suck at everything else that they do too. And they're just suck people. But, um, (laughs) so I think the people who like actually give a shit and pay attention, uh, I would say they're pretty rad dads, you know, and just just do your goddamn part. It's like,
0: So, so it's like, that's that one, one criteria, just be present. That's, that's, that's one of the, the sort of, um, common answers i would say we kind of hear on the show we kind of try and ask most of the same questions generally as we go through because kind of neat to kind of compare and contrast what people have to say um but yeah that sort of being present being invested and, and listening to what your kid has to say and yeah. just like interacting with them right as, as a as a person that's that kind of criteria for yeah, you
1: and that's not to say that there's not days and times where i'm spacing out sitting on my phone not paying attention and yeah. you know sometimes you got to just detach yourself and uh whatever but uh yeah I mean I treat my daughter like a person like my peer you know and uh, they do dad stuff and it's not like I don't know uh but at the same time I I don't I don't know people treat their kids like their dog and they'll whistle at it and they'll snap and I'm like do (laughs) it like that, that just seems messed up to me but
0: the same people who would do that in a restaurant to a waiter
1: God yeah restaurants another good example you see people with their kids in the restaurant it's like what are you doing like God yeah. uh yeah it sucks Ugh. so so is it sort of like do you think that goes
0: back to like trying to model that for your daughter that like this is how you act decent to other people and or or is it or is it more so just kind of that like respect for her as her own individual human like like what what do you think sort of causes you to take that approach of of like this is this is what our relationship looks like like we're kind of one-to-one here as opposed to maybe that like you know maybe it's a more traditional approach uh we'll we'll call it of like i'm the dad and you're the child and like i'm here to discipline you and keep you on the right path and that's it
1: i mean that was never my ideology in any facet of life so why would it be like that as a parent um and again that's why we're punks like we don't align with that kind of stuff like that's not the kind of boss that i would be that's not the kind of husband i would be it's not the kind of bandmate i would be it's not the kind of person i am so why would i be a parent in any other way and uh i mean i'm sure there's people that make perfectly fine kids being a jerk off but it's like that's not how i want that's just not how I want to do it. You know, I'm that's not how I even know how to. We're basically doing it the only way we know how to do it, and it's be decent. And I mean, like, we've raised a pretty decent six year old, and we never had to go out of our way to like tell her how to treat other people. I think she that's just what she's around and it's what she's used to. And she's very polite and she's very courteous and she's great. She's cool with her friends and other kids. And it's very rare I see her do something that I need to be like uh, you know, I guess there's times, but I mean, like, generally speaking, I just think, you know, she picks up good things from us. I'm bad with language around her. That's something that I was never able to shake. Yeah. And the other thing is she, uh, she doesn't like bad words. So I think that's why I'm like, well, she doesn't want to say it. So, uh, you know, I, I I try to speak better around her, but, um, she doesn't pick up I, I don't know she doesn't pick up any of my bad tendencies
0: yeah that that's a really tough one for sure I'm the same way like I think it's just a factor of you like it's not even like you're you're using those words when you're angry or something it's just part of your you know your speech like that's just how you communicate you know when something's you know really important or whatever like it's fucking important right so that's how you talk right and and uh so it is hard to to backpedal on that it's funny I've had a similar experience like my I I'm really bad at that too and my daughter doesn't seem to really pick up on it like she picks up on everything else right they like parrot everything you say and then for some reason it's like maybe they just have a sense like I'm not supposed to say that (laughs)
1: yeah and the daddy knows she's not supposed to and she'll say dad yeah. don't don't say that and I'm like yeah okay, all right I'm sorry uh but yeah I mean, it just it just slips it just comes out I don't think about it. yeah
0: so you you um you kind of talked about like that sort of method of parenting that's the only way you kind of knew how like is that part of your upbringing too like what was your relationship with your dad like do you are you able to speak about that at all
1: yeah yeah I mean my uh I had a good upbringing. My mom was pretty, I'd say pretty strict and more like that kind of parent. Um, my dad was fairly aloof. Uh, like always, you know, my buddy always like the good cop. Yeah. And uh, I don't ever remember my dad disciplining me about anything. There was one time I, when I was little, I didn't like that he smoked cigarettes because I knew that cigarettes, you know, could cause cancer and weren't good yep. for you. And I went in his truck and I took his Marlboro Reds and I threw them up on the roof oh of the house boy. and he got pissed off and he went inside and took my pull string Peewee Herman doll and threw it on top of the house. Oh just man. The Revenge. Um, yeah. But my dad's a big goofball. Um, and uh, yeah, my mom was definitely more, uh, was definitely the stricter one.
0: So like more the disciplinarian. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think like you're kind of, ethos like you kind of you kind of alluded to this before but do you think that more so comes from your experience in kind of the punk scene and uh, you know growing yeah. up in that in that Definitely. environment
1: Yep, yeah, because even you know that was my detachment from uh like getting into punk and being like you know just realizing that the people around you your parents and the teachers and the cops and everybody that you're raised to think know everything and they're better than you and they you know they're there to keep you in line and then you kind of start thinking outside the bubble for the first time and being like, you know what? Like, I kind of think I might have a better way. And maybe I'm not just, you know, um, not as malleable. And um, I don't know, you kind of start becoming your own person. And I mean, like, yeah, around that time when I was just growing and becoming, you know, like a person, I got into punk young. So I mean, I would say I got a lot from, you know, listening to like Conflict and Austin Rotten and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, I remember like, I, I wasn't, you know, pledging allegiance to the American flag by the time I was like 13. So it yep. was like pretty early be like, whoa, a lot of the stuff that I'm being like taught as a kid, you know, I, I don't think is, is right. But I think if you learn that stuff earlier, it's easier to kind of crack out of that bubble. Um, or you just, you know, become your parents. But right. I was like, the total opposite. Like all of a sudden it was like, I'm not going to church anymore and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And you kind of have the total swing the other way. Yeah. Uh, and then you learn how to like cohabitat with people and all different sorts of ideology and whatever. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's a big part of it, right? Is like, is that community sort of aspect. And I guess not all scenes are kind of made equal in that way. Some are pretty um, alienating, but but my experience certainly was like, oh man, there's all these people who are just, you know, they, they kind of approach things differently, but everybody's kind of willing to help everybody out. No one's really trying to screw you over. We're all just trying to, you know, get the best possible outcome. We're going to set up a show and we don't really care about making a lot of money. We want everybody to kind of get what they need out of this. Right. And
1: so, yeah, yeah. yeah. it just works in life. I remember, you know, when I was 17 buying my first used car, um, we were looking at a couple of cars, but I ended up finding a car on like the local punk message board. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to go to like a dealership and just, de- I feel like I'm going to get screwed. Like I want to buy a car from a punk cause I can like, yeah. them. and uh, you know, there's <laughs> a ton of shitty punks out there, but I think generally speaking, everybody works under the same set of like morals and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a whole different world than the regular shitty corrupt, you know, lying world that is kind of, Forced down your throat and you learn about other stuff and you just learn about, you know, community and what all that stuff can actually look like. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know. Learning that stuff young went an extremely long way. And, uh, you know, I learned more then than probably any other period of my life.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a common one too, that that always kind of comes up is that that community around you as you're kind of getting into your scene, kind of shaping you know how you approach parenthood so that's kind of cool to see that that's a you know a similar thing for you and and like was that ever a a challenge like with your wife were you guys like sounds like you guys been together a long time on the same page about that or was that a debate about how to approach parenting or
1: no it all came really naturally I mean like we met at a punk show when I was okay 15 or 16 and she was 16 or 17 she's nine months older than I am so yeah, it was a Casualties. Uh, I went to see a local hardcore band called Three Against One. Yeah. And she was there to see the Casualties who were headlining. Yeah. And yeah, that was like, you know, the first time we hung out. And then found out we went to high school together. Um, so no, we were always pretty aligned with that stuff. Nice. And she knows where I stand. Yeah. We You know, we're pretty aligned with most things, or at least respect wherever we don't necessarily align. Right. Uh, so yeah
0: yeah that's that's the the challenge right is but but i think again goes back to how you're brought up to be sort of tolerant and understanding of other people's perspectives and even if you don't agree like finding a way to talk about it reasonably and and come to a compromise or whatever right those skills really are helpful as a parent right because as you get into these i mean you're teaching your kid the the right way to look at things or how you think is maybe the right way to look at things but at the same time trying to be open minded about how they might be looking at it right and so sure. that, that's the the challenge for sure. Yeah. Um so your daughter obviously has gotten to experience you being in a band and doing that whole thing you talked about being on tour like 7 months after she was born. Um how, how do you guys how do you manage that? Like how do you manage being away from your family and what does that look like for you guys when you're touring or maybe you're you know away for a couple of weeks recording or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, it's tough. It definitely got tougher as time went on because my wife switched jobs that, you know, was more not working from home and being away. My parents have been very helpful. Like we bought our house in Atlantic Islands, New Jersey, because this is where I grew up and my parents live nearby. Oh, nice. So yeah, I mean, like, you know, if I'm away for a couple weeks, it's a matter of sometimes like, You know, my dad coming here at seven so he can walk Dot to school and then Amanda goes to work and then my dad will pick her up and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's really chips in when I have to go away. Um, When Joe, Nightbird's bass player, had twins a couple years ago, things really slowed down. So it was really the first four or five years of Dottie being around that we were trying to like juggle stuff and figure it out. Um, But we don't tour a ton. You know, I think at our peak, we were doing like 60 shows a year. But post kids, it was more like 30 to 40 shows a year Um, because it's just extremely hard. You know, if you're not making a ton of money every night, it becomes very difficult um, to get everybody on board with, okay, like, here I go. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Good luck.
0: Yeah. Well, and and like, as you add more kids to the mix and more, you know, sort of more, complexity to it all that i'm sure that becomes much more difficult too like even just schedule wise right
1: well that was part of our one and done concept was as soon as i feel like we're either tied or outnumbered all bets are off and uh so yeah i mean i got a vasectomy like five years ago but we were were like we definitely want one kid we got a good one where we're good um i don't know yeah i don't know how people i don't know how people handle three four five kids you know man That seems
0: crazy. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I like totally had the same conversation with my wife, right? Like I've said this before on the show, but my line to her was always like, yeah, like my number for kids is like zero to one. Yeah. You know, like I'm not even really sure I want to have kids, but maybe I will have one. Anyway, now we have two. Of course I would never go back. Right. Never. But you just, I, I think like with each, I agree with you three, four kids, like I can't even imagine because I've got two and it's like, I'm barely keeping my head above water sometimes. But, um, but it's just a a new challenge. It's almost, you know, like there's, there's just something new there. And you just know that I have no other option, but to just figure this out And, and you just do right. And so you can either like be pissed off about it and like, feel like your life got taken away from you or you like, you can kind of realize like, no, I can still have like my, my life and we can all be happy. It's just a different challenge. It's a new way of doing it. Right. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's, so, it's such a, such a tough thing to, to kind of work your way through, but uh, totally. yeah, I yeah. know I hear you. I'm
1: just a good enough person to handle one. I think any more than that, I would be <laughs> real shitty dad real quick.
0: Okay. It doesn't really sound that way, but but I no I hear you. It's it's funny. I'm I'm I got a bunch of my friends right now too. Like some one of my friends texted me the other day. Is like, hey, anybody know a good doctor for a vasectomy? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, is that is that something that that people talk about? Like, is there like a Yelp for vasectomies? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean there should be. I feel like around the time I got mine, like it kind of sparked a ton of my friends being like, that's a pretty good idea. And then like everybody was like, who is your doctor? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, um, but yeah, I mean. That's, business was booming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my guy went out of business like a year later, which I thought was real weird. And uh, we got, a, I remember getting a thing in the mail about like his practice going under. And I was like, oh, that's kind of shady. I sent that guy a lot of business. I hope, I hope this works but so far so good hopefully it
0: wasn't just a doctor
1: <laughs> yeah no, i don't know i got a weird one too i had mine like fused it was like singed with heat where they like it's a snip but then instead of the slip and tie it's like a snip and like cauterize sin. or something yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. uh yeah it's was weird
0: what was the <laughs> this is kind of off script but what was the recovery like for that
1: it mine was actually okay. I remember like the the that night I was really nauseous like all night I was, yeah. I think I had just gotten like a big pit in my stomach and I got my stomach all knotted up, yeah, so that night I just remember being like, Oh my God, I feel gross um and uh then the next day it snowed, and I was shoveling snow uh you know it wasn't like wow. yeah, it wasn't like the end of the world. the recovery was pretty quick, I was like sore for a little bit, but uh that first night, I was just like, Oh God, this sucks,
0: yeah. So we we have a a feature we kind of do on this show, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. um, So it's okay if you you can't answer, but we do this thing called the Rad Dad, Bad Dad feature. So basically an opportunity for you to share like kind of a Rad Dad moment, that blue ribbon moment, like I'm the best dad ever, you know, one of those, you know, prideful sort of moments versus that Bad Dad moment where like you just like, you know, facepalm. It doesn't have to be something awful, but like, you know, Oh, I can't believe I did that or, or whatever. So yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Can you think of,
1: well, here, here's like my bad dad. This, I mean, you know, I'd imagine a lot of people that listen to the show have have been there and they remember when daddy was like two months or something. And I was in the middle of Amanda's postpartum depression. I remember it was like four o'clock in the morning and I was doing a feeding and she was just, you know, not taking it, and she was just screaming and screaming, and I was just chiseled down, and I remember holding her hand, and I remember squeezing her hand, you know, not incredibly hard, but enough to make me recognize, like, oh, you know, you kind of have that moment of clarity where you're like, whoa, 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 like, and you have to, like, take a breath, and you have to, that was, like, a big lesson for, you know, all, and, like, I'm not you know, some weird, violent person. I've never yeah. hit one. I've never done anything like that. But in that moment, you're just like, Oh my God, you're so stressed. And you're just yeah. so, you know, you don't know what to do. And I remember like squeezing her little hand and being like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like yeah. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm out, you know, I'm at my wits end. Um, but I remember like, I felt really guilty about that for like a pretty long time. And I like told Amanda and she would, you know, she was totally understanding and like i remember telling my mom about it and being like man i feel horrible i feel like a bad person and she's yeah. like no you know and um so i'll say that's my bad dad moment though it was uh an eye-opening experience it was a good learning experience
0: well i think yeah i mean i think that's depending on the severity of what you know what you're talking about i mean i think like that that's the the benefit of having those those moments right we're all gonna screw up at some point right but it's how do you kind of like reflect on that and and figure out what led to that and you know I I mean it's just natural right like we we all screw up all the time like maybe you you know scrape somebody's car in the parking lot or you you know whatever but when it comes to parenting there's something about it that just feels so much worse you know it's like having that responsibility for that that little person's life and, and in some small way, like putting that in jeopardy or, or making them feel bad or making them cry or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just felt awful and I couldn't believe that I had let myself because that. I'm, that was likely, you know, maybe the first time in my life that I just felt out of control where I was like, Oh my God, I am so worn down and I'm so just exhausted um, that I let it get the best of me. And it was weird. It was a weird feeling. Um, And so
0: like postpartum depression is not something we've talked about a lot on this show. Like, is there anything like you can share with us or share for the, the listeners about that and about that experience? Like, I think that's obviously very common. I think my understanding is it's not, you know, my wife dealt with some of that as well. Um, I think everybody experiences those things to different degrees. Um, but I still think it's a bit of a taboo topic. Like, you know, you hear about it, but I don't know that, you know, moms in particular feel overly supported in that area and know where to turn and know how to reconcile those feelings. And so what was that like for you guys? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was a thing before, you know, we, you went, you go to the hospital and you kind of learn a couple things and they're like, Oh, by the way, there's this thing And here, watch a video about it. And even in the video, they really make it seem like this like ragtag couple that like didn't mean to have kids and yeah. like total fuck ups. And I'm like, okay, not thinking of it in the regular sense of depression where it's like, this is a chemical issue and you're not going to be in your right state of mind. And, um, full blown. And then once Amanda, I mean, it was probably like three weeks in four weeks in, it was pretty soon. um, She was a different person. And I mean, I saw it, I completely saw it. Um, And she couldn't, you know, at its worst, she couldn't be in the same room with Dottie uh, and she would see her like a little bit a day. Um, But I mean, we were looking into like, like the way that she would feel relief is researching, in house like uh, mental facilities to go live somewhere else, uh, we moved back in with my parents because they lived close. Um, you know it was weird. I remember us having to like lock away pills or like things that you know she was just she was in a really bad way
0: Wow,
1: and um yeah, I mean, we had never dealt with that before. Uh, her father suffered from depression, so you know I think some of that stuff is just genetic to a degree. Um, but, you know, I have anxiety issues. I've never really had, you know, legitimate s- serious depression issues. And uh, this was the first time that we were dealing with it in our relationship. And it was like very, very real, very, very quick in yeah. the middle of already trying to deal with this brand new crazy yeah. scenario. And all of a sudden this kind of took precedent. It was like, holy shit, like how much can you stack on here? Um, but it was really, really scary. And like, you know... Um, she started a medication where they were like, okay, in like two to three weeks, we'll know if this is going to do anything. The same as like, you know, you have to let it get into your bloodstream and kind of work it. Yep. It's- and I remember, you know, like 14 days from that day, we came back to our house, just she and I, just to kind of have quiet time and watch TV or something. And I seriously remember it like a light switch went off where she was just kind of like laughing at the show and she just kind of like eased up and it just seemed like a, like a a breath of relief. And that was it. (laughs) As, as quick as that, like it kind of just started working. And then, you know, I think we were at my parents' house for like another three days before she was like, I think I'm ready to go home. And that was it. And she's the best mom ever. I mean, like, she's awesome. It was just like completely out of her hands. It was like a fully, you know, it was a very chemical um, thing. I mean, it was yeah. just full-blown depression, but that's what brought it on, you know?
0: Um, Sounds really scary.
1: It was terrifying. Yeah, it was really, really messed up. And, you know, you're like, Is, are things ever going to go back to normal? Like, no. am I just like a single dad now? Um, yeah, it was crazy. I, I remember writing a song about it, which I don't usually do about things. I don't like sit down and write about something but like, I didn't know how to like get my thoughts out. Uh, and I wrote a nightbird song about it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was, it was crazy. It was fucked up, but it's like a very real thing. And, uh, I found that just like, you know, talking, me talking about it, her talking about it was all extremely important. The same kind of advice you would give to anybody, you know, suffering from depression. It's just a very serious shit, you know?
0: And, and to talk about it openly, like that, that, that's kind of sometimes easier said than done, especially when you maybe don't understand exactly what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, that sounds like that was pretty intense for you guys right at the beginning, right?
1: Yeah, it, it was fucked. So that was like my low dad moment was like weeks in the middle of all of that stuff, living back at my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything, everything was just such a crazy mess uh yeah i just remember like not sleeping for days and yeah. you know you get used to not sleeping and you get good at that and then you yeah. can kind of carry that throughout your life. i got better at touring after that because i'm like oh <laughs> need to sleep to survive cool you know now yeah, great I finally hang. Uh, <laughs> but yeah that was that was before things got good and fun that was just like scary and shitty
0: yeah I, that's a really tough time i feel like you know, your first child, no
1: matter what, but yeah.
0: Know. And, and people kind of prepare you, I think for the like surface level kind of stuff, like, Oh man, you're not going to get any sleep. Like you better get your sleep now. You know, that's the kind of advice you get. And, and like, there's so much more than that, right? Like that emotional aspect of it. And, you know, certainly like if you're getting to the point of like severe kind of postpartum depression or other kind of mental health type issues, I mean, that that's, even if you took that away, like there is, it's hard, right? And it just like, it, it threatens to break you as a, as a person, right? Because you just, you feel these things that you don't know if they're right. And, and you don't know if what you're doing is right. And yeah, it's such a tough time. So yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. I think that's like, that's really helpful for people to hear. I know we have moms that listen to the show too, um, and other caregivers and other family members, and people are just interested. And, um, you know, I think, that's one thing I really like about doing this is talking about some of these things, especially for dads. I think that we just don't get that much of an opportunity to do, you know, there's yeah, there yeah. tends to be like support groups for moms, um, you know, especially if they're on mat leave or whatever, like, you know, the first year there's kind of mommy groups and stuff. There's not a lot for dads. And so to have, you know, the opportunity to hear some of these things I think is really
1: helpful. Yeah. I, you know, I also think that the beginning, you know, the first couple months of having a baby, You're supposed, like, it's just, you're supposed to be overjoyed. Yeah. Every every moment is supposed to be this great, glorious thing. So I think it's also, you know, it might be tough for people to get over, you know, you feel maybe even a sense of shame that you are going through this. And it's not because you want to be going through it, you know, and I don't think people need to feel shame and you should, you know, do your best to be able to talk about it and stuff. And that's kind of helped us. But everybody's like, how are things? How's the baby? Yeah. Fucking horrible we're looking into like hospitals for my wife to go live like shit yeah. sucks. why did we do this um yeah. but uh yeah i don't know it's a very i feel like so much is just like put on and i'm yeah. like tell you know me like shit sucks having a baby at the beginning is like horrible and you're like what the fuck why did we do that um yeah. but yeah
0: well and obviously the experience is different for everybody but i agree with you like i think you know, this like narrative or whatever of like, oh, this bundle of joy comes into your life and they're just the cutest, sweetest little thing. And you get those cuddles and that's what the first six months looks like. It's like, it does not look like that. Like,
1: so those I, I, are the moments that keep you sane. Those yeah. are the moments that you're like, okay, you know, you get two minutes of that and it helps yeah. you through the next 24 hours. But the other 23 hours and 58 minutes can be yeah. pretty grueling. So. Yeah,
0: I I mean I remember having similar experiences like where, you know, you talk about squeezing her hand like uh, w- where your baby is just crying, you like cannot figure out what to do, and you want to like scream at them or you want to like you don't know what
1: <laughs> what you Something can do. Radical. Yeah, because right, yeah. right now seems to be out the window.
0: Yeah, and so know. it's like how, how do you pull yourself back from that, right? So yeah. Um. So what about okay? Let's let's turn around. Let's let's talk about maybe a a rad dad moment. Is there sort of a moment that pops into your mind that was like you know you're super proud or or even something recent that's happened that you we uh
1: we did a we did a family band during quarantine and Ooh. uh daddy likes playing the drums and i have two you can see my yep. blue drum kit behind me and then there's another kit behind that but so are said, those
0: Ludwig Mistalites yeah you know those are yeah cool
1: yeah those are 78 uh and then behind that i have another Ludwig kit um but we did a family band where she played drums and my wife played bass and I played guitar. Uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. Kind of like the recent moment that jumps to mind that felt like, "I'm like this is awesome. Like, you know, yeah. like, this is, this is the good stuff.
0: So I might've missed that. Did you like post any of that on social media? Did you record one, any of it or?
1: Yeah, we did a Ramon song and I posted that uh, Oh, cool! somewhere, maybe my personal Instagram or something. like that.
0: Okay. I'll have to go back and check that out. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's like, um for me one of those things i'm like always trying to talk to So my daughters like only four right now but it's like i've already like i've got a drum set in the basement i've got a guitar that i you know supposedly bought for her and my wife i'm always trying to get everybody like (laughs) playing music because that's such a cool cool thing that's neat to hear
1: yeah yeah it's fun
0: sweet so what's next for for you like um obviously as a musician as a booking agent like things are just totally like at a total standstill right now. So what does that yeah. look like in your world right now? What's, what's next? What's, what's in the works?
1: I kind of switched over to just doing like, people are still spending money at the moment. So I pretty much switched over just to do ancient artifact stuff and buying collections and selling records. It was a good opportunity at the beginning of quarantine to like clean out every corner of posters and shirts and flyers and tons yeah. of stuff that you know, we moved in and I stuck stuff somewhere and seven years later finally had the opportunity to dig it up. Um, so that's been my source of income really. I mean, yeah, booking's not happening. Nobody's playing shows. Um, Nightbirds hasn't done. We haven't been in the same room together since November. Um, so yeah, I mean, all that stuff is totally dead and I kind of stopped thinking about it at this point. Yeah. it you know, like I don't, don't see the light at the end of the
0: tunnel yet yeah it's tough to imagine with live music in particular right like you you see artists are kind of starting to do some things online and there's the odd kind of facebook live kind of show and things like that i mean i i see that and i'm not in that sort of world but like i sort of see that as almost more like relieving some boredom or like relieving some tension like we haven't played like let's just do something i don't i don't see that as like at this point like coming to the rescue of the music industry like what, what's your thoughts on that
1: <laughs> Who knows? I don't, I don't have thoughts on it i mean i pretty yeah. i i feel the same i mean what the fuck do i know you know the virtual thing might take off and that'll be yeah. the new thing but like I've watched a couple of them they're fun enough but I mean like you know we've had YouTube for a while so like watching videos of bands playing on the computer I don't know yeah I don't want to do one I have no interest in uh in doing one and like I don't want to play a driving I don't want to play right now like uh it's just not in my mind there's just too much other shit going on um Honestly, we need a well-distributed vaccine. We need like a vaccine to be issued and then a year to go by and we can start talk about safely trying to roll stuff out. Local bands need to play locally because the other thing is, so I am ai don't have a venue. I don't book shows. I book tours. I need all of America, all of Canada, Mexico. I need all this shit running, you know, in some sort of uniformity. And the other thing is like, you know, as soon as New Jersey looks good, Phoenix and Texas look shitty, and as soon as, you, flo- you know, it, it's all yep. over the place. and we can't get any we can't get on the same page because there's just zero national guidance on what we should be doing. Everybody's on totally different. I mean, the fact that there's like anti-maskers, the fact that that is yeah. a thing at all, yep. it's like that that would never have been a thing had it not been like demonized at some point as making you look weak for wearing a mask. It's like it's such a simple simple precaution that yeah. we, can't even, we can't even get that. So it's like yeah. America is stupid and I <laughs> am not, I'm not optimistic about yeah when things. Well,
0: are- I, I think like, yeah, I feel the same way as you. And it's not just America. Uh, we see lots of that up here in Canada as well. But um, I mean, realistically, like it's hard to imagine, like you say, like once there's a vaccine that's been tested, even just for safety, there's, we don't know long-term, like what this vaccine is doing for us yet. So like, is it giving you a- what,
1: what the virus is doing for us? Yeah. Is, yeah. And that scares the shit out of me, you know, people getting it and surviving from it. Because that's everybody's big thing, right? Is like the mortality rate, like you're not going to die from it. It's like, no, but like I have a mother and sister who are both nurses and, you know, there's people getting blood clots because their blood is turning thick like gravy. Yeah. And there's people losing their hair. There's people having strokes. And there's people who can't get up a flight of stairs without being winded, even though they're only 30 and they kicked the virus three months ago. Yeah. So it's like, there's so much we don't know. And this thing is still so new, I think. Yeah, um, yeah
0: I mean, it's hard hard to imagine uh, that, you know, we're in a, a significantly different place even a year from now.
1: No, I, I, yeah, right? it, it's, it's so ridiculous that, you know, our administration's defense is like how they locked down China before. And it's like, that shit doesn't even matter because we have like started from the beginning over and over again. Yeah. That doesn't even matter. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, people just want to bitch about how they have to wear a mask in Walmart or something. And it's like, man, this sucks.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, it's good that you've got kind of, you know, I I guess I'm going to call it your backup plan or whatever ancient artifacts to kind of focus on right now. That's, that's good. I know a lot of musicians are struggling with like, well, geez, what do I do now? Right. So it's good. You've got that. So let's tell people where can we find you online? Like if people want to look at your posters and your shirts and and if you haven't yet, you should go do that. Um, Where can we find you online?
1: Yeah. Ancient artifacts is just, it's an Instagram uh, account and it's ancient artifacts, but, you know, fax has an X at the end, because, you know, pumps. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's all sorts of just, um, cool, hard to come by punk records, and shirts, and posters, and flyers, and buttons, and all sorts of random stupid stuff, Um, and it's fun. I mean, I've always loved that stuff anyway, Uh, and I like being a facilitator, if I already have a copy of something. Unfortunately, you know some people still seem to be spending money on stuff. You know, there's Misfits records selling for like ten thousand. Yeah,
0: I saw that. Yeah.
1: If you got it, I'll take it.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here. So, any any words of wisdom for any current dads, maybe expecting dads? Any anything you want to leave people with?
1: Hmm. What a weird time to be a brand new dad. <laughs> <I> agreed. <laughs> Uh, good luck, I guess. I don't know. I mean, uh, times are weird. Like, I don't know. We're trying to figure things out on a day-to-day basis. We're kind of just getting in the groove of like being able to figure out how we feel comfortable doing play dates, how, you know, school, what we feel comfortable doing about school and everything. So I, I don't know. I would just say, you know, as far as current parenting and as far as any parenting, A lot of times, you know, you just got to trust your gut. If you're a decent person and you're having a child, you got to trust your gut, especially nowadays. I mean, I just don't trust anything that people are telling me is safe. I'm the more cautious. You know, we're still not going to grocery stores, we're still getting curbside pickup. Just, I don't know. You got to do what feels right to you and don't feel pressured. Something I hear so much these days is people with older kids being like, you know, we were doing good and the kids were okay, but then basically their friends were all out playing and we had to, like, let them go. And then they bring a virus back home and yeah. apparently everybody gets sick. And uh, I don't know. I think you just need to try to stand your ground and get through this. And I feel like we have maybe, you know, another – got to push through winter. And then I think next yeah. year we'll hold some answers and uh, maybe we'll see that light at the end of the tunnel. But until then, just – You know yeah do your thing try to stay sane and do the best you can do
0: yeah stay the course hey yeah got it all right man brian it was awesome chatting with you today i really appreciate your time thanks for stopping by the rad dad show and uh yeah all the best to you and your family and ancient artifacts and hopefully you know however much time passes and we've got some new nightbirds material and some new shows to some nightbird shows to go to i hope so yeah thank you so much yeah no worries Great Brian, yeah, you All right, that was Brian Gorsegner on the Rad Dads Show. Thanks so much to Brian for joining us. If you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us on Apple Podcasts or on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook at at rad dads show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads started as a community organization, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.